Hi, this is Jay Baer of Convince and Convert Consulting, and welcome to the new Content Experience Show. Content Experience is the new content marketing. It's not only about reaching audiences where they are, but engaging them with personalized, useful content that matters. On the Content Experience Show, we share strategies, tips, and real-world examples of how leaders are taking their content marketing to the next level. Now, here's your hosts, Randy Frisch from Uberflip and Anna Harak from Convince and Convert Consulting. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Content Experience Show. I'm here with Randy Frisch from Uberflip. This is Anna Harak from Convince and Convert. And Randy, we had a really special guest from Uberflip on today. We actually had Paige Gerber. And by the way, she's amazing. Yeah, Paige is awesome. We are very lucky to have Paige here. And uh, it's funny, you and I chatted about it, Anna, and for everyone who listens to this podcast, it's kind of weirder when there's someone actually in the room. Like we usually do these podcasts remotely where there's, you know, yourself out in Phoenix, me in Toronto, and someone else out in the rest of the world. But Paige and I were in the same room. And, uh, you know, it's kind of funny always when you're talking about the stuff that you talk about all day long, you're trying to synthesize it together. But I, I think she nailed it and actually delivered a ton of value to a lot of people who are tuning into this podcast. Yeah, for sure. I mean, sometimes, you know, I'm just sitting here in my closet and you've recorded a few in, in the office and it's kind of like dialing into a party, but, um, you know, I'm just like on Skype. I'm like, Hey guys, no, but I mean, this episode was honestly fantastic. Like, especially the report that you and the team have put together. I'm so excited to really download the full thing and read it now. Absolutely. And and the cool part about this report and, and people often say this, like it took us so long to put this together. You know, this isn't the type of report we were able to just simply write in a couple of months, but we literally relied on data that was being collected for over a year, right? So there's a lot of data that really wrote the report itself in the time leading up. And that's because what, what this report focuses on, and Paige touches on this, and it was, it was kind of interesting when she put it this way, because I hadn't thought about it, but is, is that we took a different approach. Instead of going the survey route, right, where we ask people, we just looked at how they actually consume content. And we let the data speak for itself. Yeah, it's awesome. I love how you approached it. The insights are amazing. And also, for everybody who is listening, you have to keep listening to the end to figure out how you can actually increase your conversion rates by up to eight times. Um, That's right, eight times by just focusing on some content experience areas. And, And the great thing about this report is the link is available. Um, at the end of this episode, and it's it's free, it's wonderful, and it's not just insightful; it's also very, very actionable. Well, now I feel like you're just trying to make me feel good about what my team did, but in this case, I, I fully agree. They they really knocked it out of the park this time, and uh, you know, I, I guess we should let people just listen to the whole thing now. Yeah, absolutely. So you brought Paige in, so we will go ahead and kick it off with you, Randy. Welcome to the Content Experience Show. I'm Randy Frisch, and I've got Anna with me, and now we've got Paige in the room. And the cool thing here is we don't even have to have that third caller in, Anna, which is always kind of tricky here because Paige is literally in our office. She is our Director of Content Experience, and Paige, maybe you can help people understand what the hell that even means. I mean, you'd think that everyone watching here or listening here would know since that's what the podcast is about, but 100%, I'll dive right into it. 
Content experience at Uberflip, I'm sure Randy has talked about it quite a bit, but it's working with how do we take the content that we have and actually build meaningful experiences so that people want to engage with us and help them drive them through that sale through to being an awesome customer and an advocate as well. So here my job at Uberflip is to focus on how do I make every touch point with content uh, one that's meaningful and actually drives engagement and at the end of it maps back to the goal, which a lot of the time is that conversion that you want or that customer you want to land. So, yeah. Amazing. And so everyone knows, so Paige, you know, it's, it's CMO here. Paige reports to me, reporting to you, Paige, we've got, you know, a number of different people, you know, who create content, who, you know, get our messaging out, who handle social. But I'd say just as much of your time is spent with your direct reports as probably other departments, right? Oh, yeah, 100%. So the way we actually have the team split is the content team has the content marketers and the social side who are responsible for actually creating all the content to fuel these campaigns. And then the other side of it is the content experience side, which is how do we then take this content and build these amazing experiences out of it? And that content experience side is mapped into basically every part of the business. So we're working with the success team. We're working with sales. We're even working with product on how do we make sure that we're telling this consistent message and story throughout every touch point with a prospect or a customer. So definitely. Awesome. And so what we're going to dig in today, I think, is that part that everyone's curious about, right? Like, Content experience is going beyond buzzword now. It's it's a role where you know people like you have a job with it in your title, um, and we know a lot of other other people will you know come to the content experience event. They listen to this podcast, but some of their bosses sometimes will be like, "Well, is this actually working? Like, is having this role as much as it sounds great, is it actually having an impact?" And as a result, I, I, I think what's really cool is you took on this approach of writing a report, not yourself, but you know, team. coordinating this report through your team uh, to actually be able to prove that content experience matters. Yeah, exactly. Like we want someone, let's, let's say you are a director going to your CMO, we want you to have that proof in your hands to say content experience works and this is why we need to invest in it. So that was the whole basis behind this report. Um, and we know it works. We see it all the time. We see it with our customers. So what better place to look than the data showing what they're doing as actual customers and their customers and users as well, how they're interacting with content experiences. So interesting because I, one, I love, first off, first note, I love that you all are actually not just talking the talk and promoting content experience, but you actually have built everything you do and your processes around the content experience. Love that you're walking the walk, by the way. Um, and then second, how did you actually quantify this? Because as Randy had mentioned, content experience and just experience in general is so unbelievably valuable. But a lot of, mar a lot of marketers do get that question of like, well, how are you going to prove it? It's a little bit softer. It's a little bit squishier than some of those hard metrics. So how did you actually go about proving that the content experience really makes an impact? Sure. So we, I'm sure as marketers, a lot of us have seen those reports out in the industry that are based on survey responses rather than what people are actually doing. And we wanted to take a very different approach, especially since content experience right now, we're just starting to break into people understanding what it means and what that value is. So what we did was, worked with our data science team 
and start working through some of the big questions we had with regards to how to make content uh, experience, like what makes it successful? What's the impact? What type of ROI can you see with the business? So we pulled all of the data using um, our customers, which are all, for the most part, B2B marketers. So the report is generated based on B2B marketers' actual user behavior and the campaigns that they're setting up. Nice. So, because I love that too, especially, and not to, not to discount surveys, surveys are fantastic, but there is such a huge difference between what people say they do and what people actually do. I feel like it's almost the analogy of like, when you go to the doctor and you have to fill out your, your health history and how much you exercise and all that stuff. And you're like, "Mm, yeah, sure. You know, and you kind of make things look a little better than they appear. Um, but I feel like, uh, no, no, nobody has. Nobody ever has. Or just in general, you know, I think it's sometimes hard. There are things that we just even as people do that we don't know we do. And so that's why I love how you approach this with actual user behavior and not just self-reported data. Well, exactly. And I think that's actually how we can get the proof out there, right? Like people want to see that hard, the hard data, the hard facts behind it. Um, that way we can really, you can start getting those teams to really rally behind it and have not just your content marketers invested, but everyone from everyone on your marketing to the entire organization. Cause as Randy mentioned, content experience is touching every department, not just the marketing team. So Paige, maybe you can help people understand before we dig into some of the findings uh, some of the individuals who contributed to this type of report is, is you hit on, we're not necessarily going to our customers and saying, what do you think? Or fill out this survey, but we actually leveraged our data science team. You know, maybe help people understand what that means in terms of how we get that data. Um, and then what we can do is, and we're creating a little bit of suspense here on purpose, is reveal some of the key findings from this report. Sure. So you'll you'll notice once you actually download the report and uh, see the meat of it that the way we've approached each of the insights that we found are with questions. So our team got together and said, what do we need to know or what metrics do we need as a team to show our value to the business? Like, how is our content actually impacting that? So we outlined about, I think there was 10 to 15 questions. And then we took those to our data science team and said, listen, we really want to try to dig into the patterns here and get some insights to help us justify why we're doing these things and the impact it has on overall, you know, bringing leads in all the way through to pipeline and then reducing that churn at the end of the day from um, the customer standpoint. So we really worked heavily with the data science team here to dig in and find um, the best insights and really just truly understand what's, what makes content experience valuable. This is really cool. I mean, we, We've never done anything like this. And I'm willing to bet that a lot of marketers who, again, listen to this podcast from two lenses, listen to it from, okay, what am I going to learn about content experience? Because, you know, we're talking about the topic that is this podcast, but also what can you as a marketer do, you know, with some of the data that's living in your own organization? And Anna, we've had numerous guests over the years who have talked about the amount of data that lives in their own org. Um, especially when they're like a SaaS platform and they're collecting data from their users at scale. Yeah, there's so much data available, but I think it's just how you cut it and slice it and use it, which it sounds like 
your data science team, how, you know, what were some of those really big sort of data behavior things that they pulled out? And what were some of those things that they used? Well, before we do that, Anna, you've created like that suspenseful American Idol line. I think we should, you know, run to a quick sponsor break here, hear from some of our great sponsors, and then we will be, we will be back and we will dig into how many you got for us, Paige? I mean, three today. I can't give them all because I need you to download this awesome report. (laughs) I'm a marketer, right? Terrible. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So we'll be right back after this break and we will hear three of the seven, you know, big takeaways from this report. I'm excited to tell you about TechSmith and I'll tell you why in detail, but honestly, I use some of their products. I use Snagit. Some of my team uses Camtasia. TechSmith is a suite that allows you to create professional videos and images. With tools like Snagit and Camtasia, everyone can create custom screenshots, screencasts, and videos, and they really require no experience. Like I said, I can even do it. Need to share campaign results with people who are familiar with what a CTA, PPC, or SERP is? Use Snagit to capture those results and share them out as screenshots and screencasts. Need marketing videos? Have a production, but don't have a production team. Simply use Camtasia, which is geared to those who have never made a video before. Communicating with visuals like screenshots and video has never been easier with TechSmith. Go to TechSmith.com/slash/content-experience. Hey, friends, it's Jay Bear. Imagine experiencing all the awesome that is Connex, but live. Everything you love about this podcast, but for two days in three dimensions in a beautiful theater in Toronto this year. August, you're going to hear from the best speakers about content marketing at Connex, a truly intimate networking experience with 750 marketers. I'm the co-producer of this event organized by my friends at Uberflip, and we're going to bring together brilliant strategists and brand marketers from all over the industry in Toronto. It's August 20th through the 22nd. Every single session is a keynote. The speakers have been handpicked by me. They include Andrew Davis, Scott Stratton, Tamson Webster, Amy Landino, and leaders from DocuSign, 3M, Blue Wolf, Pardot, and more. Or get your ticket today at connex.uberflip.com. That's connex.uberflip.com. Use the promo code podcast to save $50 off your ticket. I will see you in Toronto. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. We are with Paige from Uberflip. Now, before the break, we left everybody on a massive cliffhanger about what findings kind of popped up in this report. So Paige, what are some of those big key takeaways you wanted to share with everybody today? Because it sounds like there there were obviously seven, but you have three really key pivotal findings that you wanted to share, right? Definitely. So as I mentioned earlier, the way we approached this was by trying to get some key questions that we had around content and the content experience answered. So one of those questions was, is creating new content the only solution to drawing an increase in viewership? So, you know, I've heard Randy talk about this multiple times on the podcast and in a lot of the presentations he delivers, but, you know, the answer for a lot of people is like new content, new assets. We're at a point now where we have way too many assets and we're not utilizing them the way we should. So we wanted to understand, is it really the new content that's driving that for us or is it something else? So when we actually dug into it, we found from the content experience perspective, the way we build these out is by taking one piece 
and applying it into multiple areas. So, you know, using it in your email campaigns, in your ads, um, creating specific targeted content streams just for your target accounts if you're doing account-based marketing. So in doing so, and this is the approach our customers take as this is how we guide them through content experience, they're putting those pieces of content in multiple places. So what we found actually was that putting your content in more than one place actually increases the views by eight times on average compared to if you're just pumping out new content. So not just one and done, but actually being intentional and sharing it out and making sure it has the visibility it needs. Exactly. So that one piece being pushed out, it's great. But if you're not thinking about every place it can be utilized and finding the right audience to get it in front of, then it's not going to have the same impact. So instead of creating more content, what we're taking away from this insight is that we need to focus on building that experience around what we have and trying to get that existing content into all of these different avenues. You think about the number of people who come on this podcast with us and you know, stress the importance of something like their editorial calendar, right? And the number of you know, the way they're pumping out content at mass. And it's really impressive. I mean, we've, we've come a long way as marketers in our ability to do this, but what what we've found here in this data is it's maybe we have to de-emphasize a little bit of our, our focus on editorial calendar and look more at the buyer journey, right? And what are the different stages and what are we going to slot in there? Well, and I think, yeah, to your point, Randy, I think it's less about filling space for the sake of filling space and making sure that what you're actually putting in there maps to the buyer journey. And and also, you know, that that insight about really not just publishing content once and just being done with it or publishing it in one place and being done with it. It's so funny because it sounds like such common sense advice, but even as I work with clients and I've worked with clients, you know, over the last 10, 11, 12 years, that's something that is still a major problem. And it continues to be where, you know, people are publishing a blog post and then it just sits. And it's a great piece of content and it's amazing and it might be getting some okay traction, but even just, you know, you know, to your point page in the findings, making that visible in other areas is just going to help increase the results and the success of it. It's something that is still really prevalent, that sort of one and done publishing approach. All right. I'm going to keep us on the clock here because, you know, we try and keep these podcasts nice, short and digestible. We could do a whole podcast on that first finding, I bet. But, <laughs> but Paige, you got two more. So let's roll right into the second finding, which I, I guess starts with the second question. Yeah. So the second question we asked was, and I mean, this is exactly, this is a point I really want to lay in there is that your content team really needs to be working with your demand gen team to be strategic and understand the best places to convert those leads. So one thing we did look at was, how does the experience around form CTAs impact conversion rates? So looking at landing pages and forms across all of the content experiences that our customers were creating. And one thing we found was that putting a CTA over top of your content rather than having a landing page where you need to fill out a form and submit had a 17% conversion rate compared to the just average landing page right now is 2.35. So that's seven times the conversion rate of a traditional landing page. 
And uh, there's a cool story. Randy's told me this story before. I love it. I think it would just be awesome to add with uh, this insight is the whole, this is the whole talking about the debate of why are we sending our traffic outbound when we're trying to keep them inbound into these awesome content experiences that we've created. I mean, to be honest, I I wrote a blog post about this years ago ago, and it's, you know, it's one of those pieces of content going back to our first finding that we're trying to use more and more because it it has longevity, it has other use cases, Mm -hmm. but, but you just think about all these examples in our life where we're sent off of our site or we're sent to something where we can't control people down a path Mm -hmm. and it's just focus on those, right? You know, don't send someone as an example to your YouTube page to watch your video, use a platform like Vidyard or Wistia to embed that, that content on your page where you can actually convert them on the fly. I think those, those are the examples and stories we want people to think more about as marketers. And that's the same thing goes for a landing page, right? Like if you've just sent them to your blog and then you're trying to get them, it could be even to request a demo or it could be an ebook at the top or middle of the funnel. Um, why are you taking them out of the experience you've already got them to? Um, to then ask them to fill out a form. Like it's just much better if they're saying, yes, I want it, that you're building this into your existing experience. And this can be done. I mean, Uber flip plug here is that we have something called overlay CTAs that gate the content over top of the actual asset within your blog or content hub or whatever you have. So instead of that landing page, sending them away, you're keeping them into that awesome controlled content experience. Nice. So basically don't make them jump through hoops. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No customer journey. Yeah. Don't make it harder than it has to be for them. I love it. So what is that, that big third reveal that you wanted to share? So our third question, which I know a lot of marketers are tapping into right now is what can AI do for the content experience? What, how can we apply artificial intelligence? If we do, does it have an impact? And if so, what is it? And so what we found here is that AI does work. So a lot of our customers are using personalized recommendation engines uh, to kind of push those people to self-nurture through the funnel, engage in with more content faster, and then convert. So with personalized recommendations, we found that they increase the chances of a visitor consuming more content than a generic recommendation by 60%. So, I mean, I'm guilty of this. I feel like a lot of marketers are guilty of this, uh, where you're like, okay, I'm going to recommend top content based on whatever they're viewing on the page. And that's clearly not the way that we should be going as marketers. AI does help. It really helps you personalize that uh, journey and build on to that one-to-one foundation and marketing um, so that people feel like we are actually listening or seeing what they're actually doing when they engage with our brand. Nice. Um, And AI too has gotten a lot smarter and a lot better over the years. Yeah, no, exactly. Like the big thing is I found before, it was just a lot of guessing, right? Like I can be a strategic Like I'm a strategic thinker. I can kind of think through, okay, if they're on this page and, you know, 75% of people typically click on these things, like you can, you can create still powerful uh, journeys, but using AI just takes it to that next level where you can get just very targeted and very personalized based on 
what people's intent behavior is showing and how people are navigating through all of your content, what they're clicking on at what times, and then surfacing that through very personalized, tailored recommendations using that AI. It makes a lot of sense when you think about it, guys. Like, you know, look at it as a solution like Spotify, right? And I love Spotify. What I love about Spotify personally is it helps me discover new content as well, right? Like, you know, I don't, I don't go back to listen to that same song over and over and over again. My kids do, granted, but when I open up Spotify, what it does for me is it says like, okay, here's the other content you've been listening to. Based on that, you may be interested in this new music. And there's some really interesting data that was done by um, Mary Meeker, who does this internet trends report every year. And what, what she found is Spotify has managed to actually increase the number of artists that we listen to by almost 50% in the last three years, right? So if, if you go back three years, we were listening, and I, I can't remember the exact numbers. It was something around like 60 different artists a month, and now it's closer to like 120 a month um, that we're listening to. My numbers are, are being rounded slightly there. Um, but But the idea there is if we can put content that's meaningful in, in front of people and that they feel connected to, they'll try it. Now we're not Spotify. We're not looking to just get them to like chill out on a couch, but as you put it, like we can actually guide them down the right journey this way. Yep, exactly. So basically the AI trend is, is a real, it's a real thing that marketers we should be paying attention to, not just a, a fad. It can really help us tailor those experiences and uh, help people get them in front of the content that they, they need to be seeing at that time. All right. I'm ready to hear the other four big reveals. So where can I and everybody else download this report? Sure. So you can head on over to uberflip.com slash CE report and uh, download it straight away. It's it's there and I promise you, you won't regret it. There is some awesome insights in there. And the cool thing about the way we laid it out is that you have the, we gave you the insights, but we also uh, told you what you as marketers can do right now to fix your content experience and make a real impact. So it's insightful and actionable. Exactly. Amazing. So Paige, I mean, you and I work together every day. You're used to all my nuances. What we like to do on this podcast is keep you around and get to know a little bit of some of the things that you do when you're not working. So I know them. Anna's going to get to lead it this time because otherwise, like, I'm just going to poke at stuff I already know. Um, but uh, stick around. We're going to be right back here with Paige and get to know her outside of content experience. All right, Paige. So we got to know a little bit about you from the professional side. Obviously, as Randy mentioned, he knows you really well because he works with you every day. But um, I'd like to get to know a little bit more about you on the personal side, and I'm sure our listeners would as well. So first question for you, what is some really good dirt on Randy? <laughs> just, just kidding, just kidding. I'll ask. I'll ask. Man, that is the last time that, that I let you need this segment, Anna. No, no, Just kidding, Paige. I'll ask you that off air. Um. So, uh, so really, though, um, I know you had mentioned you are a massive. You, you're a huge fan of dance, right? You actually are a dancer. I mean, I wouldn't say I'm a professional dancer, but I grew up dancing as a kid. 
And that's kind of my way to, you know, relieve my stress just of life at the end of the day, end of the week. Good way for me to just shut off, not think and just dance. So yeah, I do work dance workshops and drop in classes just depending on the time of year. So I, there are two things that I refuse to do in public. One of them is karaoke. And then the other one is actually like dancing because I never had like fun with either of those growing up. Like I never was in dance. I never did like fun singing stuff. So what, what sort of dance advice would you give to people who either feel like they have two left feet or who aren't used to dancing in public? What would you say? Where's a good place to start? So it's funny. Um, We were talking the other day because we're going to have a fun dance uh, treat for you at the after party at Connex. But they were looking for someone to start the excitement. And of course, I was volunteered to do that. And I said to everyone, you know, anyone can go out there and dance. The awesome thing about it is that nobody is paying attention to you. Like, especially when I go to my dance classes, like no one's looking at you. They're looking at themselves. Like they want to, they are, they're looking at themselves in the mirror and trying to figure out if they're doing it right. And at the end of the day, especially in a group setting like that, people just are having fun. They're not paying attention to those things. So I think just go out and have fun and don't think about it. All right. Well, I will still be cheering you on from the sidelines. I, just so you know, though, I'm the one guy they are looking at and not in a good way. Um, because it's just like, what is that guy doing? That is dancing. Hey, it has to qualify his dance, right? To, no, you okay. can go out there and have fun. There's, there's, as long as you're moving, it's, it's a form of dance. <laughs> nice. All right. So final question. You also have a dog. What kind of dog do you have and what is its name? I have a Yorkshire Terrier and his name is Cooper. Coop for short. Nice. Yeah. And how old is he? He's four. And it, it's it's funny. He actually came into the office one day on my birthday. I brought him, and he was in a meeting sitting at the table with Randy and I. And we started to leave, and Randy goes, "You know, I have to say, I really like your dog." And I was like, "That is the biggest compliment I've ever received. Anything you tell me about my work, that's great. Will not add up to yeah, that. You think my dog, dog is brought awesome. a good vibe to the we we have dogs at our office. I was actually going to ask if you bring dogs in. I was going to say, have you brought them into the new Uber Flip office yet? Let them run around. Yeah, we, we do. I I mean, it's, it's a tricky, we have a lot of criteria for an office dog here. I, I feel like your dog would meet the criteria. Yeah. They have to be hypoallergenic, which right. Yorkies are. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, we try and make sure it's a great environment for everyone, regardless of, you know, those who want a dog or don't want a dog. So we, yeah. we have to find that balance, but I, I would welcome your dog back. Yeah. It's, it's good vibes. <laughs> well, I saw our, uh, our CEO Yove over there taking selfies with him on the ground. So I think he's Uber flip approved. Nice. Nice. <laughs> Amazing. Well, Paige, thanks so much. I, I know it's, it's a busy time for you. This report's literally getting pushed out this week. So by the time everyone uh, listens to this podcast, they'll be able to, to download it. And uh, it was really great to get your insight and some of the stuff that you were able to, to pull from this report that I think will really help marketers um, both challenge the way they're doing things today. And as you said at the beginning, prove to their boss that this is something legit and something that people should be you know, putting the focus to in their organization. Um, on behalf of, of Anna and I, thank you to everyone who took the time to listen to this podcast. If you've enjoyed this one, please go to thecontentexperienceshow.com and take a look at our past episodes or if you're already in download mode, you can go to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify. We are everywhere. Let us know what you're enjoying when there's an opportunity to give feedback. And until next time, thank you so much for tuning in to the Content Experience Show. 
This is Jay Bear, and thanks for listening to the Content Experience Show. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentexperienceshow.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. That's contentexperienceshow.com. The Content Experience Show is sponsored by Convince and Convert Consulting and by Uberflip. It's produced by my team and I at Convince and Convert. If you're interested in being a guest or a sponsor on the show, just go to convinceandconvert.com.